I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to, or I'll fire you. Do you understand? How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file, according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Peter. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Peter. Q, R, S, T, U, V, do you act my things? Huh? That's all you have to do. Very good. You know your alphabet. I never misspelled anything. Not once, not one time. You like that? What happens if you push it the other way? Does it change? Yeah, it's just uh, like a blank pillow then. So it's like a surprise Nicolas Cage. I think it should be like two different personalities, like one that looks pissed off and one it, that's smiling. It would have been funny if it was Nicolas Cage on one side and John Travolta on the other. Yeah, I was but, just about to say that. <laughs> this was a, a gift, one of my favorite gifts I've ever gotten. I got this and I got an awesome Nicolas Cage mouse pad this was a father's day gift from my wife last year so shout out to to me a few times yeah i'll show it to anybody who will ever want to look at it so still talking about the mouse pad without further ado mm -hmm. let's talk some nicholas cage okay okay let's run Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Real Folk Dudes Podcast. I am your Nicolas Cage watching companion, Jazzy Jeff, and alongside me, on the other side of the laptop, Richard Skywalker. What's up, Ricardo? Hey there, fellers. Let's really try not to make that a thing. He doesn't like it. So, this episode is an emergency podcast. If you've been listening to the podcast in our previous episodes, you've heard me mention my never-ending quest that has finally actually come to a conclusion. It's come to a head. I have watched every Nicolas Cage film ever made. This is not a victory lap for me. This is me doing a public service announcement for the general audience, all of my millions of subscribers all over the world, so that I can tell you about the man, the myth, and the legend, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so I've been listening to this nonstop for, what, three years now? You talking about <laughs> meeting your your accomplishment of watching every Nicolas Cage movie? And it, it's been, I guess, pushing you back because every time you watch a few, he comes out with a few more. So, My man works. Uh, I just shared on Facebook. He's got like four new movies coming out within the next <laughs> year already. Like, I don't even know where he finds time to make these movies. <laughs> so, So how many have you watched total so far? So, in total, 107 Cage films. Now, he's not necessarily, like, starring in all of these, and some of these he's just narrating or has, like, a, a small little thing, but 107 Nicolas Cage movies. I went to the IMDb page, went to his filmography, and I just highlighted methodically as I watched one Nicolas Cage film after another. Not all of them are big budget. Not all of them are even great movies, but if they were on the list, they got crossed off. Yeah, so I actually uh, went and found the list and did some math on my own just because I thought the audience might want to hear what you've actually invested in this. 
And so I've got the 107 movies here and went and looked at the runtime for each movie based on minutes. The average movie was around about 100 minutes, uh, but the total combined time of movies that Jeff has watched so far comes out to 11,229 minutes devoted to his boy, Nick Cage. Uh, if you break that down, that comes out to 187.15 hours or 7.79 days or a total of 1.11 weeks. So our man here has devoted over a total week, 24 hours a day to watching his boy, Nick Cage. And that's on the conservative side, because I've definitely watched a lot of these movies more than once, more than twice, more than three times. So how I'm, many I'm of those hours, how many of those hours has your, your family spent watching with you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, like I can get like Hannah to watch the family man with me. So she's watched that one a few times. Uh, my mother-in-law so like likes six Con hours Air and face off. So yeah, I would say that they are probably in the low twenties of hours. Wow. I was hoping they would show a lot more support. You would expect, here's the thing is when you, when you go into something like this, sometimes the most noble endeavors, you have to do it by yourself. You know, the bravest, most important things that you'll ever do in your life. Sometimes you stand on your own, you know? Yeah, no, I can respect that. So can I ask you a question, Jeff? You can ask me anything, Richard. What, uh, what sparked this? What made you decide you wanted to do this? And when did you make that decision? So I think it was a couple years ago, and I was actually talking to a couple of my buddies. Uh, shout out to Mike and shout out to Zach. And uh, we were actually playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I stumbled on the conversation of Nicolas Cage and how I really enjoyed the handful of movies that I had had watched of him. And I thought it was funny that this really, this guy that I thought was a good actor was being made into like a joke. He was a meme. He was like a parody of himself. And they were like, yeah, man, he's got some really awesome movies. And they gave me like a short list of like, you ought to make sure you check these out. And once I watched those, I dug a little deeper and dug a little deeper and i don't know maybe maybe there's a touch of autism going on here i don't i can't say definitively yes or no but i can say that the further i went the more i wanted and then once i got to about halfway and i had seen about half of those 107 nicholas cage movies at that point you're in it you're committed you can't just say oh well i've seen half of the nicholas cage filmography so at that point even though in some moments it became a little bit of a chore I had to do it. So on the chore side of things, and not to hate on your boy Nick, but what was the hardest one to watch for you? What was the your least favorite? The most obnoxious one, and I'm mad that I had to spend money on this. I had to rent on Amazon Prime Video, Teen Titans Go to the movies. And I grew up watching a Teen Titans on Cartoon Network that was actually pretty good. The new version of Teen Titans, I don't know what that is. It is just a cluster. It is awful. Um, and I watched that because of literally the three minutes of on-screen Nicolas Cage. He plays the voice of Superman. And he's probably has like six lines in the whole movie because he's not a Teen Titan. He's just a regular Justice League member. So he's in the movie very briefly, and I had to spend $3.99 for a movie that I did not enjoy at all, except for the six minutes that Nicolas Cage was on the screen. 
Okay, I can see that. So to, to tie that in, you're talking about uh, Teen Titans. I've noticed looking through the list here, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of nerdy stuff. I mean, you've got uh, some Superman stuff. You've got Teen Titans stuff. There's some Spider-Man stuff. Uh, so would you say Nicolas Cage is somewhat of a nerd himself? Do you feel that way? I would absolutely say Nicolas Cage is one of us. We are a nerd podcast, and our boy Nicolas Cage is a lot like us. Actually, his name is Nicholas Coppola. That's what his birth name was. He changed his name to get away from the family name. His famous uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, responsible for directing the Godfather trilogy, Apocalypse Now, The Outsiders. And Nicholas Cage wanted to change his name so that he could be, you know, carve a path for himself. And he chose Cage. Those of you that may not know, Luke Cage, a famous Marvel character. And honestly, that's just the start of this. My boy Nicolas Cage collects rare and expensive comic books. And at one point, he owned an Action Comics issue one, graded 9.0. He had a Superman issue number one. And, Richard, it was stolen from him. What do those go for? So I, I can't remember what he bought it for. But it was stolen, and then when it resurfaced, he had already claimed the insurance money on it, and he had to pay that back, and he had to auction the comic book off. He made a profit, but he ended up selling that comic book for $2 million. That's insane. $2 million for a piece of paper. That's ridiculous. So being a Superman fan that he is, he actually named his son Kal-El, which is pretty awesome. And speaking of Kal-El, a lot of people may not realize he almost played Superman in a Tim Burton Superman movie. Uh, this was like coming off the heels of the Tim Burton Batman universe. And I love to imagine this like 80s, early 90s Tim Burton DC universe and what that could have looked like built around Michael Keaton and Nicolas Cage as Batman and Superman. That movie never got made, and it's a shame because that movie could have been amazing. I mean, wouldn't you have enjoyed watching Nicolas Cage as Superman? Yeah, so, like, I don't think it would be the best Superman movie ever made. I think it would just be its own Superman movie. It'd be unique in its own way. And actually, uh, I recall you showing me a picture one time of Nicolas Cage wearing, like, a yeah. Superman outfit. There's videos and there's pictures of him. It, it got very close to being made, and and you can Google it. Nicolas Cage, Superman, it's all over the place. The movie never got made, but the ink on the contract got dry, and our boy got paid for a movie that never got made. So good on you, Nick Cage. You deserve it. Every nice. penny. He did play Ghost Rider. In the era of Marvel movies that were subpar before the, you know, the Marvel extended universe got really built into something, he played Ghost Rider. You can argue whether or not those movies were good or not. It's still pretty badass, and he. I liked fire. it. I liked he, the first one. Yeah, yeah, it was enjoyable. He even has a Ghost Rider tattoo, so he's in it. He's committed. It's nice. It's cool to know the things that he could have been on the nerdy side. You know, one of us. He was considered to be the Green Goblin over Willem Dafoe in the uh, Spider-Man movies. I, I think I have a hard time picturing that one. I don't know if I can. I, I don't. I think it would work. Now, it is Willem Dafoe probably perfect for that role? Sure. I think that's why. 
yeah. think it's one of those the, the actor that currently plays it has just taken over that character and I couldn't picture anybody else. Yeah, I still think Cage would have killed it. Also, almost cast as Neo in The Matrix over Keanu Reeves. That would have been neat to see. Yeah. Almost cast as Aragorn in The Lord of the Rings. You don't, you're not a big Lord of the Rings guy. Um, he's I was going to say, you're going to get silence from me on this yeah. one. I don't know. He's like the main human, I guess you would say. He's the king. Return of the king, he's the king. Also interested in playing the character Egghead, kind of an obscure villain from the Batman universe in the new Robert Pattinson Batman universe. And I think he'd be great at that. Batman has a rogues gallery of amazing villains. And we keep going back to like, the Joker over and over again. Let's bring out some some of the cooler ones. Let's let's see uh the tally man. Let's see the ventriloquist. Let's see Egghead. Like let's let's bring that in. And even more importantly, let's bring our boy Nicolas Cage into the DC universe. I really do think I could see that one. Out of all the movies you've just mentioned that he almost played um a Batman villain, I could see him doing a really good job at. Absolutely. The thing that always gets me about Nicolas Cage movies and why I think that doing what I did is worthwhile is that he touches a little bit of everything. If you want giant blockbusters like big Disney movies or big, you know, whatever, he's got those. He's got small independent films. He's got family-friendly movies, animated movies, gritty action, horror movies. He hits all across the board. And there's nothing that's like too outlandish for him. And I, I wrote down a few things here that I've seen him do in movies and it's like, no other actor's doing that. I've seen him light himself on fire, bench press a stripper, take the face off another man and put it on his face. I'm going to take his face off. I've so seen it's him, safe to say he does his own stunts. He, he does his own stunts, man. I've seen him land <laughs> a plane on the Las Vegas Strip and scream while sitting on a toilet covered in blood holding a bottle of whiskey. And I really want to talk about this scene. There's a movie called Drive Angry. Have you seen Drive Angry? I have not. Man, it's made for you. So in this movie, he plays a complete hardo badass. He's got like cool hair. He's wearing sunglasses. And he's fully clothed in the floor having sex with a woman in a motel room, right? Okay. He's got a cigar in his mouth. He's holding a bottle of Jack Daniels and like a gang of dudes come in. They break into the room to try to kill him. But Nick Cage, he's not having that. He kills them before they kill him. And he like rolls over still inside this woman and he starts shooting them and taking them out. They can't kill him. <laughs> One time in this, in the same scene, a guy like finally gets a hold of him and he has a taser and he sticks the taser in Nicolas Cage. Nick Cage is still inside this lady. I guess so the, the vibrations. No, it pleases her. Oh, so she's getting yeah. off. And Nick Cage is, you know, struggling. Eventually he kills everybody in the room except for the the lady who he gives an except an exceptional orgasm to. And Excellent. that that's like just another day in the life of my boy Nick Cage. So let me ask you, do you think this is the real life Nick Cage? Do you think he's this much of a badass in real life? Or do you think this is just the the character of Nick Cage. There is no character of Nick Cage. And that's what's the beauty of it is he'll play a total dork and then he'll play a total stud. I mean, it's not like the rock that is just like, I'm the really big cool guy in all these movies. Nicholas Cage is everywhere. 
Now, if you want me to, if you want to ask me, like, do I think he's awesome? Do I think he's probably super cool? Yes, yeah. Because do you think he could take on a group of guys with a whiskey bottle? Well, obviously. (laughs) Okay. But he's not on social media. He he's mysterious, man. He is a real life Bruce Wayne. Okay, I respect that. My friends and I have talked about this before. Nicholas Cage needs his own streaming platform. Give him his own channel. Give him like uh, a Netflix type deal. And it would be Nicolas Cage movies 24-7, and we'll call it Uncaged. And he, he does commentation on them? That would be cool, yeah. I like that. I'd watch it. Who wouldn't? So just a few things here, just a rundown. Nicholas Kim Coppola, born January 7th, 1964 in Long Beach, California, changed his name from Coppola to Cage because... Luke Cage is awesome, and because he wanted to make a name for himself. Uh, Nicholas Cage called a shot he, at 15 years old, told his uncle, give me a screen test, I'll show you acting. And he did. He uh, won an Academy Award, Screen Actors Guild Award, and a Golden Globe Award. And so that was all like right off the bat as his career was beginning. That's not even 10, 15 years in, right? Yeah, he had a, he had a lot of success early on, honestly. That's nice. So Roger Ebert was quoted as saying, daring and fearless in his choice of roles and unafraid to crawl out on a limb, saw it off, and remain suspended in air. No one else can project inner trembling so effectively. He always seems so earnest. I also have another quote from David Lynch describing Cage as the jazz musician of American acting. And I love that. That's spot on. And I have one more quote here from the world-famous podcast host jazzy jeff of the real folk dudes he's been quoted as saying uh, in all my days of digesting cinema there is not one thespian on this planet or any other in any time or dimension that would ever eclipse the greatness that is nicholas cage when he enters the frame of any film you can feel the weight and the power and the majesty that guy was always such a wordsmith he really was um Speaking of wordsmith, Nicolas Cage has developed his own acting style he calls Novu Shamanic and Western Kabuki. And he said he was going to write a book about it, like his own. He's like borrowed from like Tibetan monks and all this stuff. He's out there. But Nick, if you make that book, I can promise you this. It will sell like crazy. I will have multiple copies of it. And if you do a book signing, I'll be there day one. I need to Front read of the your Nick Cage book and I need to get your signature and I need to meet you. I don't know. Western Kabuki sounds like some sort of anime or something to me. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So just speaking of just like the craziness of this man, um, you asked like, is he like what he is in the movies? Well, tell me what you think about this. In the movie Vampire's Kiss, where he plays someone who may or may not be a vampire. We can't... All we know is that he dies from a stake. So he had a love scene and he wanted to get prepared for it. So what would any world-class actor do? He requested to have hot yogurt poured over his toes to help get him excited. And he said that it helped give him a heart on. You turn me on, you turn me on, you're not too tall, you're not too short, you're not too round, you're like a cat. The cat in the hat. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think that's how you would prepare for that. That would have been my first uh, first thought on that one. Exactly. So let's talk about some of his spending habits because he does, he has a reputation for being a, a high roller, a big spender. Sometimes the IRS comes out to get him. That's another story. His accountant has misled him numerous times. And it's a shame because Nicolas Cage is the great one and he deserves the best. So I just want to talk about some of the cool things that he has had over the course of his illustrious career. Are you into cool houses, Richard? Absolutely. At some point, Nicolas Cage has had 15 homes and he has had a haunted mansion in New Orleans, a private island in the Bahamas, and just regular mansions in Vegas and California and a 500-year-old Bavarian castle. Okay, so the castle, that's really badass. Yeah. Um, the home, I've actually heard about the, the home in New Orleans before. They did a whole um, uh, American Horror Story season on that. Uh, I forget the name of the lady who owned it, but it's still a very fascinating house. They do tours of it and stuff now. Um, did he own 15 houses all at once, or do you mean over the span of his career? I'm pretty sure all at once. That's, that's awesome. a lot of taxes. Now, and now listen, some would say it's excessive. I would argue he needs more. He's the great one. If if he can't have 15 houses, who can't have 15 houses? Who deserves 15 homes more than Nicolas Cage? That's an excellent question. Think about who's adding value to the world we live in more than Nicolas Cage. Okay, so side notes. Um, one of his homes was broken into, and I think you're really going to enjoy this story. A man broke into his home in the middle of the night and stood over his bed naked, wearing Nicolas Cage's jacket and eating a fudgesicle. Did he get the jacket like in the house? I think like he got he it in the it? closet, yeah. None okay. of that is fabricated. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. So I have a quote from Nicolas Cage here. I hate it when that happens. I know it sounds funny, but it was terrifying. It was a home invasion. I was asleep at 2 in the morning. And my young son was in the other room, and I woke up, and there was a naked man who had gotten my leather jacket, eating a fudgesicle in front of my bed. I woke up, and I used a verbal judo and just asked him, get out of my house. Now, a few things. Someone would say, like, why would you break into a guy's house like that and, you know, put on his jacket, take off your clothes? Listen. He's like a dog chasing a car. You never thought you would get to this point. So what happens is you jump the fence at Nicolas Cage's house. You're like, well, I didn't think I'd get this far. Well, let me see if I can get in the house. You get in the house. Well, I never thought I'd get this far. Let me try on some of his clothes. What's the first thing you're going to grab if you're in Nicolas Cage's closet? A leather jacket, obviously. But you want to see how it feels. You want to see what it's like to be in another man's skin. So you take off all your clothes so that you can be, you know, the full experience. And then you put the leather jacket on. Then you help yourself to a snack. What were you going to get? Fudge sickle, obviously. And then you just stand there and you look at him. And you think to yourself, I'll wake him up when I finish this fudge sickle and see what he thinks about my new fit. But then Nicolas Cage wakes up and he's scared. But it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. But Nicolas Cage is a champ. He didn't press charges because he's like, look, shit happens. I get it, man. So before we move forward, I've got a few questions about this. Um, do you you think this guy's still out there? Um, what does that mean? Do you think that he was killed? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, do you think he's still alive? Do you think he's still out there? And do you think he's heard this story told by Nick Cage? 
I would assume that if you're such a fan that you broke into Nicolas Cage's house, you probably have heard Nicolas Cage tell the story. Honestly, this that guy that did that is probably going to listen to this podcast. So shout <laughs> out, dude. Yeah, hey, if uh, if you're the guy, reach out to Jeff. Uh, what's your all's uh, contacts, Jeff? You can just hit us at Real Folk Dudes on Twitter or Real Folk Dudes Facebook group. You can always hit us up there, interact with us when we'll be talking nerd shit. So yeah, definitely hit me up. I'd love to bring you on the podcast. And Nicholas Cage, and- if you want to come on the podcast, maybe we can have you both come on for a reunion. I'll provide the fudge sickles. <laughs> and that was going to be my next question. Did he pick the the fudge sickle up? At Nick Cage's house, or did he bring it with them? You know what I mean? I had to pick it up in the freezer because there's no way it would have stayed cold. By the time you go in there, what time of year take was your, it? Take your clothes off. Well, I mean, I, I would assume Nicholas Cage probably keeps his house about 69 degrees. So it's going to melt if you give it a few minutes. So he okay. had to have picked it up in the freezer at Nick Cage's house. Plus, Nick Cage seems like he would have like a fully stocked fridge. I don't know if he eats a lot of fudge sickles because he's pretty in shape, but he probably has them as a good host because I'm sure he entertains a lot of guests. I can see that. My boy, Nick cage has even taken care of down the road. He has his forever home already in place. He has a nine foot tall pyramid tomb in new Orleans. That was built in 2010. It has no name on it. Just the Latin words, Omnia ab uno or everything from one on it. And this set him back about 60 grand. That's honestly a lot cheaper than I would have thought. Knowing Nick Cage and his, uh, his, I guess, interest in the obscure and the expensive, I would have thought it would have been built of like solid gold or something and been a few million dollars. It is interesting because coming from uh, an actor that has spent so much on so many crazy things, it's honestly kind of a humble or modest thing for him to have only spent 60 grand on a nine foot tomb for himself. Right. Right. So he spent some money on some pretty cool animals as well. I know you're big on, um, on animals, on dinosaurs. So let's touch on some of those things because Nicholas Cage shares some similar interests. He has spent $150,000 on an octopus that he said helped him become a better actor. He didn't really elaborate a lot on that, but I was I, just about to ask if you could. Yeah. I don't think he even did. He um, has had a crocodile, a shark, two albino king cobras. And the king cobras are great because he chose not to have them defanged. Instead, why would he, you? Yeah. Why, why would you want to do that? He decided, I'll just have anti venom next to the cage. And if these albino pythons bite you and you don't have the anti venom at best you got 15 minutes to live they sent him back seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. he tried to write them off on his taxes as home defense (laughs) (laughs) i mean honestly though what are you more scared of adt or albino pythons i mean what's going to to detour more crime take it a step further if you told me i had to i had to go into a house and rob this home and there's a homeowner in there with a gun, or you told me I had to go in this other house and rob it, but there are two pythons that are not defanged in there. I'm going in the house with a gun. Yeah, you take your chances on the gun. It's not just one albino python. He's got two unfanged... No. They can split up to cover more ground. Undefanged, yeah. One could take upstairs, one could take downstairs, (laughs) or they can like cross together like the medical symbol and become like a Megatron python. 
he said that these pythons helped him like capture the essence of the ghost rider like and and there's a scene where you can see where he does like this little sway thing and he got that from his from his pythons was he that in the original movie him. he does the sway i think so yeah it it helped okay. him become the ghost rider but i mean he whatever doesn't just, it takes to get our boy more and more movies yeah he doesn't just love the living animals. He also loves extinct. And this is what I was going to really excited to talk to you about. Um, I know you're a big Jurassic Park guy. I would assume that Nick, Nicholas Cage is as well. He outbid Leonardo DiCaprio to purchase a T-Rex skull for $270,000 back in the day. Unfortunately, this was a stolen T-Rex head. He didn't, he wasn't aware and it had to be returned to a, a Mongolian museum. And he never even got his money back for that. You know, something just makes me wonder, like, if, I don't know, if I was a sketchy museum in Mongolia, I would probably go around claiming that people had my stolen products so that I could get stuff for free for my museum. But, yeah, there's something um, to that, especially if it is a name that carries the weight like Nicolas Cage. It's not just a guy. And, and you know, I think it adds to the value of it that, not only was it a T-Rex skull, he got it out from under Leonardo DiCaprio. It's kind of cool. You know, like, yes, dino bones in general are a badass. But this is a dino bone that survived millions of years, was unearthed, went to a Mongolian prison, or a Mongolian uh, museum. <laughs> Had to serve his time. <laughs> went to a Mongolian museum, was stolen from a Mongolian museum, was was set in an auction where you had Leo DiCaprio and Nicolas Cage going toe to toe to own this thing. And then for a brief time, Nicolas Cage owned this dino head. Think about like just the, the pure ridiculousnesses of this. It's like ancient fossil unearthed stolen and then property of Nicolas Cage for a while. What a hell of a I story. Mean, well, think about how many people there are that maybe aren't into dinosaurs as much as you and I, right? And they're yeah. going through that Mongolian museum and they're completely disregarding the fact that this is something that survived millions and millions of years and was once one of the biggest creatures to roam the planet. And instead, they're going to be fascinated by the fact that this sat in Nicolas Cage's home or that Leonardo DiCaprio mm -hmm. bid on this. That's what they're going to be in awe of. Well, what's going to be weird is when someone from America one day goes back to that museum and says, listen, I know that you have a cool museum here, but we're starting a Nicolas Cage museum, and it's this be the is a piece that guy. we need. So I'm sorry. We're taking it back. I can see that. One more um, quick story about animals. Nicolas Cage had a cat named Lewis that he walked in on one day, had gotten into his psychedelic shrooms. You got to be careful with your psychedelic shrooms, man. So he walks in, he sees his cat. His cat is tripping balls, man. So what would any responsible pet owner do? take out a phone and record he takes some shrooms with his cat lewis and he said he <laughs> and his cat lewis stared into each other's eyes for hours that's wholesome i think this is how he became a better actor with the octopus honestly maybe yeah just watch those tentacles for hours baby <laughs> i don't know if you're a big fan of charity but i know my boy nicholas cage is he has donated millions he has donated millions to charity. $1 million to victims of Hurricane Katrina, 
$2 million to Amnesty International, which apparently provides shelters and medical and psychological rehab for child soldiers. And here's a great story. One time, he took $200 into a Bahamas casino. He won $200,000, walked out, donated that $200,000 to a nearby orphanage, and never gambled again. When asked why, he said, if I did, I feel it would ruin the power of that moment. Forbes has actually listed Nicolas Cage as one of the most generous stars in all of Hollywood, listing him with the likes of Bono and Oprah. He just doesn't talk about it, so a lot of people aren't aware. Yeah, no, I think that says a lot because, sure, Oprah's generous, but how much does she talk about how generous she is? Yeah, you know? it's at the forefront. Everything Nicolas Cage does is behind the scenes. I never knew. I mean, I assume most people in Hollywood donate money to different charities and things, but um, I never would have pictured Nick Cage as just like up there with Bono and Oprah, you know? Exactly. So we're going to start winding things down here um, pretty soon. Uh, I wanted to give you a few of my favorite things, some 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 Nicolas Cage movies. I did watch them all, so I have some things to say. Uh, is there any questions you had for me or comments, anything that you wanted to express? Yeah, so I've got a few here. Uh, so what's your, uh, your favorite Nick Cage movie? I've already asked you your least favorite. What's your favorite? Okay. Favorite Nicolas Cage movie of all time is Con Air. It's the only movie that I've ever watched that I watched it. And as soon as I finished watching it, I turned it back on and watched it again. Was it the hair? It's the hair, man. No, it's it's just a great movie. I mean, it's it's an action movie, but it's so ridiculous that in some moments it's a comedy. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got that like snakes on a plane vibe. Like it's like movies are supposed to be fun sometimes. It everything doesn't have to be dry and and super pretentious or like sometimes movies can just be fun. And Con Air is fun. It's full throttle and it's just a joy from beginning to end. Okay. Um, so obviously every, every actor has their critics and their fans. So what would you say to the Nick Cage critics, the Nick Cage haters out there? So the, the way I would look at it is this. There's a lot of people that don't take Nicolas Cage seriously as an actor. That is a huge mistake. Watch Leaving Las Vegas and tell me that he's not a good actor. He got drunk, recorded himself being drunk, and then studied that film so that he could like execute like the perfect performance of a drunk person. He won an Academy Award for his performance in that. And like there are other movies, like there's a movie adaptation where he's gonna play two siblings, two brothers, but not in like a Tyler Perry, like or like a like a Eddie Murphy. What was the Eddie Murphy movie where he was playing the whole family? Uh, oh, um uh, the man, if you... uh yeah. Nutty professor. Uh, there you go. Yeah. It's not silly. Like he plays two brothers. One is very confident. One is very outgoing. And the other one is like very introverted and like the posture changes and, and the, the, all the nonverbal cues, like the entire like persona, he's playing two different characters on screen that you can easily differentiate as if they were two to separate actors, the entire movie, the man has acting chops. And if you don't believe that you've not watched all of his movies, there are some really important ones that you just straight up haven't seen. And I think what has happened is, here's my theory on it. 
I think we have a generation, our generation, who grew up watching him being the king. If you watched popular movies in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, like Nicolas Cage and... was it. He was the yeah. man. And then he kind of fell off. And I think that he was so popular. He became so mainstream. He became so Coca-Cola, Disney World. Like he became such a commodity that he kind of like became like a joke of himself to a lot of people. And I think our generation might be a little bit guilty of accidentally burying him by memeing him to death and turning him into a meme. I think what we did to show affection and love for the great one has made a generation younger than us laugh at him and think that he's just a joke. And it's like, no, man, this guy can act. And the beautiful thing about it is he's not afraid to do something outlandish. He doesn't have to play the cool guy every every day on every single thing he does. He's not, I'm looking at you, Will Smith. He doesn't have to be the cool guy. He can be a dork. He can be a loser. He can be a crackhead or a cokehead or whatever. He's all over the place. And I think that's what's the beautiful thing about him. Even though I don't know, I think there's a whole generation that just sees him as a meme. So I am curious, Richard, you know, talking about all these movies, what's your favorite Nicolas Cage film? Well, I definitely haven't seen near as many as you, but out of all the ones I've seen, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds has to be at the top. It's Great. absolutely one of my favorite movies. 50 cars. I, I would say even outside of just Nick Cage movies in general, out of all my favorite movies in life, Gone in 60 Seconds up there. He does a really good job of finding movies that have like the most interesting and ridiculous premises it's like you're a car thief that has to steal 50 cars in a night that's <laughs> that's beautiful that's beautiful yeah. um it's probably high up there for me as well it's probably in the top five there's like a handful of nick cage movies that are like must see cage it's con air it's face off it's the rock gone in 60 seconds you know just classic cage movies and then you get into some like you know he's got like the family man he's got i don't know uh matchstick man that's another good one lord of war a movie that i think is really underrated i think lord of war in a generation that is obsessed with it's like a wolf of wall street meets goodfellas meets arms dealer like it's a really cool movie and I, have you seen yeah. that one yeah, actually, I, I watched it way sooner than I probably should have. I think I watched that movie when I was probably like eight or nine years old. Yeah, so uh, probably not picking up on a lot of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was definitely a really good movie, yeah. Yeah, just, he's got bangers across the board, man. And yes, a lot of a lot of his biggest movies fall in that window of like 94 to 2004. But, yeah. you know... <laughs> You could probably do that with a lot of actors. And just because that's like the pocket with his biggest, most popular movies. I mean, he came out with Pig a few years ago. Pig is a great movie, and I can't recommend that enough. Now, you got to be in the right mood for it because it's artistic and it's it's it can be dense in some, some parts. But he gives a really cool, grounded performance. And it's like we talk about how he does like, oh, he did a movie where he takes someone's face off. Pig he's a chef. I mean, like, it's not like this crazy story. So he doesn't, everything he does doesn't have to be over the top. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, he has really good animated stuff. He's uh Spider-Man noir in into the spider verse, which is one of the best, if not the best animated superhero movie, I think that's ever been made. 
He's great in The Crudes and Crudes 2. Those are great. Astro Boy, really good performance in Astro Boy. Really good movie. Um, he's all over the place, man. It, if you can think of a genre, he's not just been in it. He's crushed it. So what would be your favorite Nick Cage line of all time? I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> I can't go to the store and look at a peach without saying that. If someone mentions the color or the, the food, a peach, I have to give an awkward pause, blow smoke, and say, I could eat a peach for hours. That's some ASMR there. So another question here I'm going to hit you with, uh, face-off. So let's say real life, Nick Cage and John Travolta were enemies, and they get into a fist fight, no weapons. Who's winning and why? Uh, oh, Cage. Cage is scrappier. Travolta is a little doughy, a uh, little older. Cage is going to crush him. Like, Cage, he wouldn't even have to touch him. And you're because... not just saying this because of your bias? No, there is no bias. He he would use verbal judo, and it would never no even bias. come to fisticuffs. But if it did come to fisticuffs, the Cage is say, like a wolverine. <laughs> he would get him easily. You think he would just say, get out of here and John Travolta? I've watched leave. him bench press a stripper, bro. He would be fine. Okay, okay. And, and last question, and then I'm going to leave it to you to close this out. So if if Nick Cage did listen to this podcast. When Nicholas Cage listens to this podcast, go ahead. Okay, yeah. When your boy Nick Cage listens to this podcast, if you could say one thing to him, if you could leave him with one thing, what would it be? Okay, so I don't really have any preparation for an answer for this question. So this is just rattling off the dome here. I would say, first of all, Thank you for being dedicated to your craft in a workmanlike approach, the same way a lot of blue collar people do. Like you get a lot of flack for making movies, like jumping off of one movie set and going to the next. I don't see a problem with that. I think that you love acting. It shows in your movies. And I appreciate the fact that you show up every day, clock in and give your best performance. And I think putting yourself out there, I think you are, scrutinized and i think you can be subject to people you know snarking at you but i appreciate that you put yourself out there that you make art that you go 100 in even if it's something ridiculous i don't i've never watched a movie of yours that i felt like you weren't that you weren't you were never phoning it in everything you did was was maximum effort and sometimes movies that aren't good you would actively try to save by going over the top with it. And I'll always appreciate that. Yeah. Those are some generous words. And uh, you know, I'm obviously not the uh, Nick cage connoisseur like you, but he definitely left an impact on my childhood growing up. Uh, very important actor for our generation. Uh, so we all appreciate you really putting this podcast together, Jeff. We know this has been a, a passion of yours for a few years now and it's, it's great to see it all come together and see how much you've invested in it and for you to be able to share this knowledge with us. So I'll let you go ahead and wrap it up, but we appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate you. So all in all, Nicholas Cage said he wants to make 150 movies. He is well on his way. He's getting really close. Honestly though, you know, God willing you, you make 350 more movies. Come on, let's keep it rolling. Nick. Like I see no end in sight. I watched the newest movie, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, towards the end, which would make sense, of my Nicolas Cage journey. When you watch it, having seen 
50, 60, 70 Nicolas Cage movies, it does give more context. I love that he's willing to goof on himself. I love that he doesn't take himself so seriously. And in a industry of pretentious people and people that think that they're above us, that think they're gods, he can laugh at himself and the absurdity of his life because we're only here for a short time anyways, man. Let's have fun. And there's a, there's a quote of him when he's accepting an award saying like, hey, man, talking to his fellow actors, let's get weird with it. And I love that. I love that he says, let's get <laughs> weird with it. Um, It's his most recent movie, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. But try to watch it having watched at least five, ten of his movies. I think it gives a lot more context and you'll appreciate it that much more. Um, it perfectly highlights a great career while making it abundantly clear that Nicolas Cage is going nowhere. So, you know, all in all, you have to say, with everything that we've touched on here today, Nicolas Cage is a legitimate national treasure. In an industry with Hollywood actors that stars burn so bright, Nicolas Cage's star burns the brightest. So now I'll ask you, is he a great actor or is he the greatest actor? Thanks for listening to the Real Folk Dudes podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, at Real Folk Dudes on Twitter, Real Folk Dudes Facebook group. Be sure to interact with us, hit us up, build this Real Folk Dudes community. There's one thing that I know for certain, the Real Folk Dudes will never die. Excuse me. Hi. I'm I'll not... be right with you, sir. Hi. Hi, I need a refill of this. I don't have a prescription. Sir, <laughs> please wait your turn. I know, I know, but this is an emergency. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being you pissed blood? I'd like to take his, his face off.